podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good afternoon, ladies and gents, and welcome to another post-conference presser. So this one, it's for Brighton. It's the FA Cup game coming up on Sunday afternoon. A return to, I suppose you could call it, the scene of the crime after last time. So quite a bit to get through. So as always, I'm Dave Davis. I'm your host. I am not broadcasting from a field in rural Ireland. I am broadcasting from a Baltic Edinburgh is the phrase that I'm going to use. And I'm very pleased to say I am joined today by Lisa Marie, her old guest, but back for a new segment. So, Lisa Marie, how are we? I'm good. And, and this time next week, I will be in a field in rural Ireland. So I'm feeling pretty good myself there. <laughs> well, just stay, stay, steer well clear of that Trev Downey fellow. That's the well, only yes. recommendation I can give you for that. But yes, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So, Lisa Marie, we have got a million things to get through as normal. So we'll do the normal folks, go through the usual agenda. So look at the press conference, an early one actually this morning, a 10 a.m. one, and there is an embargo. So we'll see what that brings. We'll have a chat about that. We'll look back at the Chelsea game from the early kickoff last Saturday. We'll talk about Brighton's threats. <laughs> Maybe a few to discuss on that one. We'll <laughs> predict our formation and lineup, And then we will play the normal beat the host, where it still stands at 1-1, mainly because Liverpool can't win most of the time or score a bloody goal, but that's a different story. So we <laughs> will get right into it, Lisa Marie. So an interesting press conference. I'll probably say he was uh, calm most of the time, but he's had a, a long time on the training ground with them this week, the best part of a week or so. So we'll break down some of his key comments that we heard. So I used that phrase earlier, the scene of the crime, and what he had in mind this one. That was the almost the opening gambit, understandably, from one of the journos there. Doubled down on it, interestingly, Jürgen did. Yes, it was our worst performance ever that he's had or managed, if you want to say that. We did everything wrong and we've got the chance to do better at Brighton. So I suppose the question is, it is a return to the scene of the crime. Is that going to be in the players' minds this weekend? Well, I don't know how it... It, it would have to be right. I mean, I don't know how it can't be in their in their minds that this is an opportunity, you know, fairly right away for them for them to put right the many many things that went wrong when you know when they were at Brighton not too terribly long ago. So you you would have to think that would be very much in the in the forefront of their minds as you know as they prepare this week and and as they head down you know to play that match at Brighton on Sunday. So yeah, and I mean it. 
made me chuckle that, I mean, they, you know, right into Jurgen and were like, you know, what will you do differently? And he just answered everything. And it's like, well, okay, at least we're aware that basically let's, there's nothing to take from that last match with Brighton that we want to bring forward and try again, you know, and do again, everything, everything needs to be. Yeah. Um, I think even at some point he said something about, you know, watching back footage and it would be a horror show or I mean, words to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was very much kind of tongue in cheek as he, you know, spoke about. And, and I mean, I guess, you know, the, the first part of addressing a problem is, is knowing that you have a problem and, you know, that's, right. <laughs> that's helpful that, that, you know, he, he is very much aware. And I mean, and was right away that that was just a horror show that, that we witnessed. Um, so recently. So, yeah, I, I think that it's got to be in the front of their minds that and and if I were in their shoes, you know, that's the way I'd be approaching it is this is a way for us to right the wrongs. And, you know, even if they don't win and I'm, we'll get to that, but, you know, God, just play better against against Brighton and, you know, yeah. just do it better. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you used a, a right word. It's a. An opportunity, almost uh, especially the way some perform that day, a shot of redemption, if that's the right phrase. So, Ooh, absolutely, ev- everything's got to be better. And yeah, you you hope that is in the the players' minds because there'll be a there'll be a big travelling cop as normal. So fingers crossed. They like I said, they want to see fight, hunger, pressing, all the the normal things which we'll get to. But yeah, everything. I like that. What could we do differently? Everything, boss. There everything. we go. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think he answered that one quite honestly. An, an interesting one. It almost got broke into, I'll, I'll say two parts because there's a few follow-up questions on certain people, but we did almost for once, which is unusual with a, a clock press conference, get an update on long-term injuries in a roundabout way. So we were told Diogo, Bobby, Virgil, a couple of weeks or so, which sounds quite promising that way. Diaz, longer, which we didn't expect. Arthur Mello, which I know people will be saying who, but two to three <laughs> weeks away from team training, which is a, a bit odd because we were led to believe not that long ago, according to sort of stories, that he wasn't that far away. But he specifically made that point two to three weeks from team training and did expand on the fact that, let's be honest, he's not had a sort of pre-season, so we'll need a bit longer there. Hoping, and let's be positive on this, Lisa Marie, the first three there, Diogo, Bobby and Virgil back in a few weeks. Sounds like they're on course for Real Madrid first leg on the 21st of February, doesn't it? It does. Um, it, Yeah, it, it definitely does. And, you know, Virgil and Bobby, you know, fine just as, you know, they're coming back from injury and have played. You know, Jada, you know, I would be... I mean, I, I certainly hope he is back in training by then, but, you know, I would be a yeah. little resistant to putting him in I mean, he really hasn't played hardly the season. I mean, he, you know, he played a couple games and then, you know, got injured again. So, but he is kind of the type of player since he is such a good off the bench player that, you know, maybe you aren't as reluctant to sort of throw back in, um, you know, into a match after having not played for a long time. So, you know, I guess it would just depend on how he looks once he gets, he gets back into training. But, but, you know, if, if that is, you know, if we are being given real information, that's encouraging. You know, that that's encouraging that 
you know, we, we should have those three players back, you know, within the next couple of weeks. You know, I just, I, you know, I certainly hope that's the case. Yeah, I like the way you phrase that real information. This isn't accusing anyone of anything. But no, no. <laughs> a, a, an update that someone will be back soon, since we don't see them for months at a time, as we know from history. So fingers crossed we'll use that phrase. Yeah, it is real information. I agree with the Jota one. Because obviously he missed the first part of the season. He came back in. He was he was quite key for us. And then that's, I think, the calf tear, wasn't it? Severe at City, where we just went down like he'd been shot. And obviously he's been out long-term since then. So I think you're right. Out of all of them, it'll be interesting to see if he is... I don't know if Klopp will be reluctant, if that's the right phrase, to to introduce him, sorry, straight away. But may just be a a bit more care with. We'll go with that. So it'll be interesting to see. And probably one person that we have to talk about, because no one else ever does, Lisa Marie. Will we ever see Arthur Mello in a Liverpool shirt before the end of the season? What do you reckon? I don't know. I mean, bless his heart. <laughs> Is yeah. I mean, I, I I'm not much of a betting woman, but I'm I'm kind of betting that we won't. Um I, you know, unless there is just he is back and we have another, God forbid, you know, rash of midfield injuries that, you know, he's one of the few standing and there isn't much choice. But but I think if for the most part, our current midfielders, you know, stay basically injury free, I yeah. I think it's a pretty long shot that that we see Arthur Mello. Um as I said, it's a shame for him. I, you know, I do feel bad for the player, but, um, you know, it kind of just is what it is. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's interesting the way you phrased it. Two to three weeks team training. Then you have to think a guy that missed Juventus entire preseason and the entire yeah. preseason with us. It's going to take a fair while just to to get, let's say, back into match fitness, if that's the right phrase, or even match fit. So then you're looking realistically sort of the end of February into March, almost like you said. I mean, Klopp even mentioned today he's got six or seven midfielders fit. So where's he going to get in? Where's he going to get the minutes to bring him up to speed bar under 21 reserve games type of thing? So is that really going to give him what he needs for when we get to the business end of the season? It's hard to see and it is a shame, but unless there is a which I'm going to say this with bated breath because it's not beyond the realms of possibility, some sort of midfield injury crisis, then it looks like being one of the worst £4 million loan fees Liverpool have ever spent. But let's see. We'll have to see how that one plays out. And let's be a bit more positive on the midfield because there was a bit of pleasing news this week that we badge and his contract renewal. So till 2027, so longer term, which is brilliant and you know an ample reward. So he was asked about that, Jürgen. So it was clear from the first moment he would be quality. I like what he said that we have to be careful due to his age, which I think is true. And he's pulled up or had cramp in the few games that he's played, hasn't he, and gone off. So that does have to be kept in mind. But he's been really helpful in the current situation. I think everyone's seen that as well. So well-deserved. The question I'm going to ask with this one, and it's probably one that might be a theme coming up later on, where does he actually sit now in these midfield rankings for you? Because you know it's the hot topic, the midfield changes, who was hauled off for of Brighton, you know, keeping the midfield the same. Where does he actually sit for you right now? 
you know, if you're, if you're just taking into account form and the way he has been playing, he's, you know, he's high up there for me, but you do have to remember, you know, if you were 22 years old, no question, you know, yeah. put him in, put him in every game. But we're talking a, a kid who's, you know, was just 18 back in the, you know, in the fall, um, you know, and I, and I live with a young man that eight, that very age, I have, I have a son who is 17 turning 18 here in a few months. So, um, you know, you, you, it pleases me that they are taking that into account because it's, it's not just, um, ability, but, but you have to, to take, you know, just he's going to recover differently and, and, you know, yeah. different things from a physical aspect. Um, you know, so I, I am glad to see that, but, but if we're going, you know, not thinking about his age and everything, and we're going solely off of, I guess, merit, he's high up there for me at the moment. I mean, he is really, you know, he has shown, you know, he's got some good technical ability. He, you know, he is certainly is putting in, you know, a hundred percent, if not more effort when, when he is out there and playing and, you know, and it's, it's a promising thing to see. And and I was happy to see, you know, that, that he got this contract renewal that, you know, hopefully yeah. will allow us to develop him, um, you know, as a, as a future, you know, a future starting player for, for the team. I'd agree with that. I think uh, I like the way you phrase that. If, if he was 22 and, you know, a bit more physically developed, He'd be a starter, absolutely no question, every game, the way things are going especially. But the reality is, he is younger, he's still developing. It's strange because he kind of has a, he's tall, he has a wiry frame, but you can tell he still, and he will, put muscle on it. Almost like a a Goretzka-style summer in the gym is almost needed for the kid, isn't he? We need to see photos (laughs) Next summer when he's coming back absolutely stacked type of thing would be brilliant. But I, I agree with that. I mean, really trying to cling on to some positives from this season at the moment and, and putting my tin hat on for when I say this. I think this is a kid that's really going to save us money in midfield and I've totally got my tin hat. I know what people will be screaming now, but it's not his fault. The midfield is the way he is and he's really come on leaps and bounds. So it is a positive to look at definitely and it's been a season where there haven't been many so far. So let's cling on to what we've got on that one. So one renewal down. Timings with this one. This The cup, the timings, the fixtures, it's been really strange because it's been such a gap. I mean, it'll be eight days between the Chelsea game and the Brighton game when it kicks off. So he wasn't directly asked about this year again, but he mentioned it's bizarre having that time and he referenced specifically the two to be rearranged. So if you look at Wolves and Chelsea, who, by the way, don't have a game this midweek or next midweek either. So it just seems strange, like he kind of pointed towards. And I thought when he opened with this, oh God, he's going to start one of his rants and they're going to lynch him on it type of thing. But <laughs> should the FA Cup have, have a whole weekend? And I did really get a, get his point and I really understood what he was getting. It does seem strange that none of them have tried to be slotted in the Wolves or the Chelsea game in these gaps. But hey-ho, I suppose thinking about where we are, because it's great saying that, but you've got to look at where we are right now. Would it be better to sort of play those games, try and get a bit of momentum somehow? Or the way we are at the moment, do you think it is better for him to have that time on the training field with the players? How do you see it? Normally, 
I would lean toward it would be better to get the games in and get the momentum going. However, (laughs) just because so many of our issues have seemed in the last few weeks, you know, since we came back from the, from the world cup break and and even before that, so much of it seems to be tactical. I think the time on the training ground is, is a good thing. So I mean, I normally am one, you know, when people, start talking about, oh, you know, all these games crammed in, but I'm like, well, but look, oftentimes we do well with that. We, the momentum is, is good for us, assuming we're in a good spot, um, which we just quite frankly, aren't right now. And, and so, I mean, I, right now, I think we are better served having the time on the training ground, the additional time, you know, to hopefully get, Virgil and Jada and, you know, and Firmino back so that, you know, once those games are rescheduled, you know, maybe we, you know, we've, we've got more, more, more players to select from and, you know, and that's an advantage to us. So, so normally I, I like them. I kind of like having the extra games or, I mean, not when it's crazy where it's like every two to three days, but, but the midweek game doesn't really bother me. I think traditionally we've done pretty well with that, but but right now in January of 2023, I think we need the time on the training ground. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a bad, bad shout at all. There was a part of me thinking almost we, we can't have it both ways, Jürgen, as he was saying it at the same time. And one thing that I saw someone tweeted, I can't claim credit for it myself, but it was an interesting tweet. During the, the first sort of 15 minutes of the press conference, he mentioned the word compact eight times. So... Don't worry, no one needs to, to go back and count them and correct me at all. But I just thought that was quite an interesting sort of emphasis on it's a bit different and he's talked about it, wanting the team to be compact. Now, to change strategy a little bit like that, or to even if it's not change of strategy, if you don't see it that way, if you want to focus on that specifically, surely that takes time on the training ground, doesn't it? To perfect, work on, get into a rhythm. So I get what he was saying about the games, but I probably agree with you in this instance. I don't think some time on the training ground and maybe even like you said, the less games we can get away with to get the likes of Jota, Bobby, Virgil, etc., back, then you can't have it every way, so to speak. But we'll see where those rearranged ones get, or the ones to be rearranged get put in anyway. And the final thing that's probably worth mentioning, because we can't talk about the Everton bit, because we'll be here all day if we go on about Everton and things that are going on there. <laughs> so we'll keep we'll keep with us and we'll finish on the the transfer talks, it's an interesting one. He's made it clear he doesn't want to entertain questions on transfers. And uh, Carl Markham got it a few weeks ago. But he opened the door a bit with this one, Lisa Marie, because he mentioned about Nat Phillips, who's out with a, a cold, a really, really bad cold, as he phrased it, which is interesting. Because naturally, we've had the stories from the likes of James Pearce saying about how Reese Williams has been recalled and that, you know, could be moving on. So James Pearce, naturally, took that as his opportunity, didn't he, to ask about the the transfers. We got almost a stern look, I'd say, from Jürgen, said that we'd have to wait and see. It depends on the market and on offers, but we'd have to be prepared for everything. I mean, I'm taking that as, as close as Jürgen will probably get to saying, yeah, if we get the fee, it's done. Simple as that. This might be a very short answer to a longer question, if Nat does go at all, if we do get a fee in of any type or it gets done before the window ends, does anyone come in at all? 
Do you mean you mean anyone? You know, regardless of place on the field, right? Yeah, anyone. We'll take it that way. Anyone. I, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't think a fee for Nat. I, or how do I put this nicely? Yeah, I don't think a fee for Nat Phillips should make or break. I mean, because let's you know be realistic. He he's not going to be bringing in a a gigantic fee. So I would not think that whether he goes out honestly should make a difference as to whether or not we can get somebody in. Now, if it was, you know, three or four players for those type of fees, okay, maybe, but, but no, I, I don't, I don't think us getting anyone in is, is contingent upon Nat Phillips leaving. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I think the fee, it, you, you never want to sort of do anyone down, so to speak, but I'd be astonished if anything north of 10 million was even being discussed. I suspect it might even be a, a tiny bit below that. And I think that means you're right. What does the, it, it shouldn't be contingent, but that's probably a different discussion for another show, realistically, isn't it? But <laughs> on that basis, if, and this is if I'm kind of playing the politician side here, if Nat does leave for one of those rumoured fees, call it eight to ten million pounds, I think at best that pays for a an opportunistic loan fee, as Neil Jones and others described it, haven't they? So we'll have to see. But yeah, that's a one for another show. It's not looking too hopeful on the transfer front. But we'll move on from the conference and we'll talk about Chelsea Clue. So the game last Saturday lunchtime, a game that I was at, travelled early, a nil-nil. Bit, a bit of one of those drab early kickoffs, truth be told. I mean, you're looking at the positives, talking about another clean sheet, consecutive back-to-back clean sheets, we're looking for the positive. And interestingly, if you think about the team, retained selection, so people like Gomez, Wee Badge, Naby, starting for the second game, in a row, thinking the same midfield, naturally because Thiago's there for two games in a row. When you watch that game, Lisa Marie, be honest, and when you look back and reflect on it, what are your thoughts now, nearly a week later? That why did I drag myself out of bed at six o'clock on <laughs> a Saturday morning to watch it? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, and then, you know, every time I tell myself, it this rarely pays off for me to get up early on those Saturday mornings for the, for the, for the early kickoff. Um, and it's funny, the one time that I didn't was when we beat, I mean, I guess it was season before last when we beat Bournemouth, like, you know, by seven goals or, you know, it was that crazy game. I didn't get up for that one. So, so now I feel like, oh, well, if I don't get up, then, you know, I'm going to miss something. And yeah, anyway, that was not the case. Um, I mean, I sat through the whole first half going, I should have stayed in bed. Why did I get up for this? Um, yeah. It, and, you know, it wasn't so much. I mean, it was just such a flat game, wasn't it? I mean, I'm yeah. sorry you traveled down for that. I mean, I, that's that's worse than me getting out of bed for it. Um, but it was it was just, you know, and at first I thought it was because I wasn't fully awake for, say, the first 15, 20 minutes. But once the coffee kicked in, I was like, it was it was it was just very now. I mean, I will say. It was like you kept waiting for something bad to happen, you know, especially yeah. after they got that goal early. But, but you know, it was it was disallowed. So, I mean, it was kind of that, you know, your your shoulders are all, you know, 
bunched up around your ears, tense, waiting for something horrible to happen. And I mean, it didn't, but nothing good happened either. So, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I would, I would just like to think that, okay, um, we, we hopefully took a few things away from that. I mean, obviously it wasn't the disaster that the Brighton game was, but it was a bit of a letdown because we saw such a turnaround or positive steps forward. The game, you know, the, the, the cup game against Wolves after the disaster at Brighton that you just really were hoping that it was going to go up another level playing Chelsea and, and it, it didn't. I mean, yeah. if anything, it almost took a step back, I think. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just, it was, it was very disappointing on, on an, on a number of levels. Um, and you know, I, I, if anything, I'm, I'm hoping he took away from the fact that you really can't put Harvey up front on the left. That's not a yeah. good idea. Um, and yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it it was it was just a it was just a it was just a flat flat game. I mean, it, if anything deserved to be nil nil, it was that match. Yeah, it's, it's I'd love to be able to disagree with that, but I, even at the end, I was thinking, what are the positives? A, cl- a clean sheet, you know, something to build on. You can't deny that, and you know, he pinned a lot of comments on that afterwards. Probably the the, the biggest positive is the. Uh, the second half, the first 15 minutes of it, we seem to really, really pen them in. There seems to be real impetus. It just, at the same time, I, I can't remember Kepa sort of flying across his goal or scrambles off the line or anything like that. So there was pressure, but to no real avail, which at the moment is typical Liverpool, isn't it? It's the hope that kills almost at the moment for everyone. So yeah, probably a fair summary there. I mean, we always ask, and it is important to, to discuss this one in a, a few instances, on the back of the last game, has anyone played themselves in or out at all? So the obvious place, there's nowhere else to start really, is there? That midfield three, we badge, Cater are obviously the two we're going to speak about because Thiago is almost a given at the moment. Are they just play? Is it almost impossible the way we've been recently to, to take them out or do you see that differently? Uh, you know, I it was obvious that you know that compact shape that that Klopp referenced in his in his press conference. We kept that when those three were in. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was after Cato, you know, was subbed off, and it was after you you saw Massachusetts. Um, you know, he was he was starting to tire that, and then was subbed off that that you saw. And I mean, that's not necessarily a knock on Fabino when he came in, but it, yeah, I mean. I, that's definitely the midfield three that I would like to see start on, on Sunday, whether or not they will. I, I don't know, but, but yeah, I think, I think there were many more positives from that midfield three than there were negatives, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. As someone tweeted earlier, which I kind of liked, show me the game in which that midfield three has conceded a goal so far. And I kind of like that at the same time. So we'll, (laughs) we'll look at a positive with that, definitely. Interesting one, a player that's been in the, the defence for the, the Wolves and that Chelsea game, Joe Gomez. Done enough to stay in? I think he has. Um, and, and I think he looks better kind of on the left 
you know, uh, on the left side is the center back, you know, in, in Virgil's spot, which obviously when Virgil's available to play. Um, but, but I think, you know, even, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, not you and I per se, but, you know, in the past, it's, it's been discussed that, you, you know, the center backs have to kind of develop that partnership and there needs yeah. to sort of be some consistency, you know, for them to be able to do so, you know, to know, you know, who's going to kind of stay back and who's going to maybe push up and, you know, and all those things. And, and I think we're starting to see some good, you know, some good development there between Gomez and, and Kanate. So I, I would like to see that continue. Um, you know, is it spectacular? Not necessarily, but again, two clean sheets. So as you said, we're picking positives where we can find them. And, and so, yeah, so I think, I think Joe should get the, I do think Joe Gomez should get the start alongside Kanate. Interesting. I think the, the one thing, and and I'd agree with that, it's hard to argue back to back clean sheets. I mean, that's the, that is really, that's the job, isn't it? For centre-halves, keep clean sheets and we'll build everything from there. I think the interesting debate will be, when you look at Canate and Gomez, and we did see it against Chelsea a little bit, what's the one sort of glaring weakness? Now, obviously, I was going to talk about Gomez in the air, but the one that really stands out is the lack of ability to bring the ball forward, which Matic does have. You know, Matic's probably our, our best centre-half in that regard. But then again, against Brighton, he was one of the ones hauled off quite rightly. I mean, he, he was abysmal for one of a, a better phrase, wasn't he? He gave them one of their goals, Matt hard and assist on his name. So, it will be interesting to see, but yeah, hard to hard to argue that Joe Gomez double negative, but hasn't done enough to to stay in that way. And probably one more player because I know you mentioned about Harvey, who's always a, a topical one amongst Reds. Another one that everyone seems to be coming on the chopping block a little bit this season, but Cody Gakpo. So started a lot of games again. Started against Chelsea, played the up front, right at the the top of the three. Is everyone just being a bit harsh, do you think, on Gakpo? Or how do you almost see his start if we're talking about who's played their way in, who's played their way out? How do you see it for Cody at the moment? I, I do think people are being harsh um, because let, let's look at the team that he's come into. It's not a functioning, you know, not an especially functioning squad, you know, that he has had to step into. And, you know, it, it's, you know, there's enough of a challenge for a player coming in, especially kind of mid season where, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're just, you're stepping right in and not just into the team and needing to understand and learn how they, how they play and function and everything else. But then you're having to start the games, you know, it's, so I, I think people are being a little bit, um, overly critical t- towards him. Just, you know, when you look at the big picture, it's, it's not a sunny picture that he is stepping into. So, so I do think, and I do think, you know, again, playing through the middle is, isn't from my understanding, I'm, you know, no tactician or, you know, expert or anything, but that's not, you know, I think he plays better on the left, but he's because of the injury to Nunez and everything, he's had to step into the middle. So I think, um, you know, I would have liked for Chelsea, you know, when you saw, Sala, Gakpo, and Elliot as, you know, yeah. as the front three. It was almost, and I, and I said this on the Enfield Index pod, I said, it was almost like, let's see how we could set this up least effectively. Um, 
I think Gakpo should have been on the left, Salah through the middle, and Harvey on the right. I, you know, but Agreed. hindsight is is always clear. So, so yeah, but no, I think if you know, if Gakpo, I'd like to see him play more on the left. I think, I think that's more natural position for him from from what I understand and and you know other conversations and things that I've heard. And and but I do, and, you know, in answer to your to your original question, I think people are being a bit unfair and harsh. Um, you know, considering what he's had to come into, you know, it's just, I think it's unfair. Indeed. Well, in a good way, we've got quite a few clues, probably as to, to your starting lineup there, but we will come, <laughs> we'll come to that later. I've kind of shown my hand a little bit, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, no, no, it's good. I, I'm struggling to disagree, to be honest, on anything so far. I think this, this would be the, the painful one, the same as with trepidation. We do have to talk about Brighton and their threats. I mean, God, what can you say about Brighton? I mean, for a start, it's the halfway point and they're above us in the league. They're going very well. They've had some great results recently. Although, interestingly enough, they um, say only, they managed to draw at Leicester away, relied on a, a late goal, which have uh, been a struggling Leicester side, quite interestingly. Very distinct the way, you know, Dezebrio, however it's pronounced, has got them playing. So that 4-2-3-1 and... Caicedo and McAllister obviously really shining in that midfield. And you mentioned it earlier, and that'll probably take it a bit further even. They destroyed us 3-0 a few weeks ago. I don't even think that 3-0 particularly flattered us, to be honest. You know, or I don't know. Maybe I maybe I phrased that wrong, but they destroyed us. It's difficult to argue with that. It was a it was a one-sided beatdown, as the phrase would go in boxing. So there's a lot to think about with this. And we talked about it being the scene of the crime earlier. If you look at Brighton specifically, and, you know, as we sure will do, we look at their team. How do you see it in terms of the threats or any particular players we'll try and neutralise, focus on? What would you specifically, do you think, be looking at with Brighton? Um, I think we need to do a better job of, I guess, containing um, Matomo. Um, yeah. you know, he is hot for them right now and is so much fun to watch play. You know, Brighton is a team, you know, out, you know, even ahead of this season, but the last couple seasons, it's been a team that, you know, regardless, you know, let's just say, okay, cause you know, the games, you know, for me here are on like, you know, Saturday morning and everything. So, you know, you turn something on and it's like, all right, well, Liverpool doesn't come on until, you know, until later or Liverpool's already played who, you know, what, what games are available to watch. And Brighton is often one that, that my husband and I pick to watch. I've just, I have just enjoyed watching them play. Um, and I've, you know, except for when they're, you know, head to head up against us, you know, I, you know, I, I, I like seeing the success that they've had. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I mean, and they are, they're all just firing right now. But yes, but I think, um, Matomo is, you know, we've got to do a much better job of, of containing him, um, than we did the last time. I think, I think that is, he is a definite threat. Um, and that Ferguson, who's been playing through the middle, who again yeah. is young. I think he's only 18. He, he he certainly looks older than 18 and is, and has just been playing so, so well. So, I mean, it feels like everyone on that squad right now is just, they're, they're hitting it. You know, they're all hitting kind of their peaks or, or whatever That's at right. once. And, you know, I mean, we've seen, we've seen that happen for us. And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's hard sometimes watching somebody else have that type of success. Um, 
But yeah, but there is, there's, yeah, the, the McAllister Casado midfield. Yikes. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to, to be concerned about. True. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, it was one, one player I was thinking about, Mitoma, Mitoma, how it's pronounced. So yeah, absolutely roasted Trent all afternoon, didn't he? Down that, down their left, down our right. And like you said, Evan Ferguson, the young kid who's again, just Irish youngster come from nowhere. So where do they find these players? They've obviously got <laughs> talent for it, Brighton. And yeah, like we said, Caicedo, McAllister, I think, you know, Klopp would give his right arm to get both of them in the team at the moment right now, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. So trying to talk myself out of this, but there are threats everywhere, I think, realistically, <laughs> aren't there, from, from Brighton. It will be an interesting one. I suppose with that in mind, with their threats specifically, with what happened in mind, because context is everything. And like I say, Compact mentioned numerous times by Jürgen in that press conference. He was really sort of keen to emphasise it. I mean, any special measures you think we'll take after last time with that in mind? And for God's sake, it can't be any worse than the idea to put Thiago in a 10 in a pressing 4-2-3-1 and Fabinho and Hendo as the double pivot. I'm sure it can't be that bad as a special measure, but anything else you think you'll be thinking, right, based on last time, based on what I've got, this is how we're going to sort of compact, if that's the right word, how we're going to be compact. Any special measures you think you'll take? You know, and again, you're you're wandering into territory where I have not even enough information to be dangerous when it comes to tactics. But, you know, they were just playing right through the middle of us. It, I mean, I think and, and it made me giggle to hear him say it. But I think um, Dave Hendricks said that, you know, Adam Lalana looked like Zidane, um, which Lalana's not injured. So, OK, we'll put that in the plus column. Um, <laughs> but it was. Yeah. And and so I guess that compact shape that. You know, I mean, I, apparently Klopp is whispering into their ear as they sleep at night or something. Yeah. Um, if 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 we can maintain that, I think it will certainly help. Um, but, but yes, the overall message is just has got to be just do everything better, everything, everything better than than what we did um, than what we did the last time. Because you're right that that three that three nil flattered us. It honestly probably should have been six nil. Yeah, it really was a, a disaster. And anyone thinks we're exaggerating, folks, remember Jurgen Klopp doubled down it being his worst performance as a manager. So just keep that in mind as well. I suppose if we talk about formation and lineup, because we, we've kind of touched upon it throughout the show, but again, Klopp was, I like this question. There's some really good ones I thought today in the, the presses. So Klopp was asked about keeping the same midfield lineup specifically for the last two ga- games. I like the way it was led by the journo. So mentioned, as we said before, it's the long week in training and he emphasised it's got six to seven midfielders in top shape. Might want to check that laser eye surgery, Jürgen, but that's a different story altogether. So <laughs> based on that, obviously, the even I've said it now about 25 times during this pod- podcast, the focus on compactness. We know that you've got Canarte and Gomez. We know that you've kept we badge Nabi, and I'm going to assume it'll be Tiago with them. Without wanting to preempt, because I could be wrong here, Lisa Marie, 4-3-3 with a few additional players, would that be fair to say? I think so. I I, I think, you know, you, you sometimes, well, you know, and, it, and again, tactics, not my strong suit, but 
that is what suits from the players that we've got available. So let's not, you know, I mean, I, I'm all for trying new things and, and everything else, but, but right now to me, you know, I don't want to say the safe option, but kind of the safe option. Let's, if we're not doing the safe option, well, then yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's so many ways you can argue it, but, but no, but I think he, I think he goes to the four, three, three. Perfect. So probably a few questions then, because we know it's Canate, Gomez. We know your midfield three. We know you've moved Gapo to that left side of the attack. So assuming is a Seller and Darwin to fill the other two roles up top? Yes. Yes. Perfect. And then I suppose that only leaves the right back position. So who are you sticking in at right back? Trent. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, you know, and of course we can, we can, um, you know, speculate all we want, but, but my understanding, or at least the end, the reason given for him not starting, um, the last, you know, was, was because, you know, he had a little bit of an injury. Yeah. So anyway, so I, yeah, I think Trent, I think Trent at right back, Robertson at left back, um, and yeah, let's let's hope they're putting in some good crosses and 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 making making some things happen. Interesting. Yeah, it's just the only one I wanted to prompt to that because you're right. The Chelsea game that was given as a, a minor minor muscle injury was the confirmation that was given. It's just interesting that Milner had started two in a row at right back, hadn't he? Where he kept clean sheets. And I remember on Saturday afternoon, Trent came on. I don't actually think he passed it to a red shirt once. He just kept giving the ball away when he came on, like time after time, and you could hear the groans from the cop as well. So be interesting to see, but yeah, I I would not be surprised. And I'm going to be honest, I do suspect that will be the lineup that's picked. However, it is the multi-million dollar question that we don't know. How does Klopp see the FA Cup in terms of priorities, in terms of does he want to play what he deems his strongest right now or give players a chance. So it will be interesting to see the formation and line up this way, which leads us to the very final question, Lisa Marie. It's one all in Beat the Host, no pressure at all. So <laughs> I'll let the guest go first as always. The final score and Liverpool's first goal scorer. Who are you going for? You know, part of me wants to default to my positive and say that, you know, we're going to win. But, you know, honestly, it's I just want to play better. You know, it is it's the cup. It's not the league, you know, so there's not as much writing on it. So I. I think Brighton's going to win. But I would like to see it, or I'm, 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 I'm gonna gamble that it's gonna be much closer than last time. So maybe two-one Brighton. Two-one Brighton. And I would like to say, you know what? I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say um, Darwin Nunes is gonna score the goal for us. Nunes, Nunes. Okay, so two-one defeat, but Darwin getting on the score sheet. I'm going to go slightly more positive because it was my gut when I got it. 1-1. God, this is terrible, isn't it? One of us predicting a loss and one of us has got a... Even a draw means we have to replay it, doesn't it? So there you go. So yeah, (laughs) 1-1. And I think in all ways, the way it works at the moment, 
if it ain't going to be Darwin, it's going to be Mo Salah, isn't it? Those are the two that look like getting any type of goals, which haven't exactly been flowing, shall we say. So Lisa goes 2-1 Brighton with Darwin for us. I'll go 1-1 with Mo Salah, which, hate to say, folks, isn't the most positive. I do appreciate that, but I think you'll struggle to find many who are predicting a strong win or anything like at Amex, the scene of the crime from last time. <laughs> but thank you for listening. If you have been or you're hearing this later, I've been Dave Davis. This has been the post-conference presser. Thanks to Lisa Marie for joining us. And we'll see you for next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.